Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the August 6th episode. Time to draw names for July. It's time. And we have Sue Batten. But holy cow, Judges. I just Oh my goodness. I read the last chapter of Judges because we only had one left. Where do we start in Judges? In 14. Because I don't know how I'm going to talk about. In the middle of Samson. Judges for, so there were some things this week that I'm like, huh, why is this in here? Micah in 17. In my mind, Judges is like, these are the Judges. And is Micah a judge? Uh-huh. Micah's that Micah's that guy that was like the priest, right? Uh-huh. I don't know what he did to benefit I Israel. Think, I honest okay, so what I think is happening is that like we have the judges that are raised up and then it turns back to God's righteous like it, God's righteous hand comes down and intervenes and they have a time of peace for a while. Mm-hmm. I think that but like I think the point is that as judges progresses, we're watching the Israelites become people who just do whatever they want to the point mm-hmm. where they become Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Right. So I think it's just like that. I think Micah is not necessarily a judge, but like a character. Just in the part story of the story. The yeah. Yeah. Just like what's the, happening. Just like the Levite is. The, yep. That makes sense. So I yeah. don't really feel like I need to talk about Samson anymore, except that he's the narcissist that God uses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I still don't understand why. I mean, I guess Delilah had him wrapped around her finger, but it seems like he knew. Yeah, she was obvious about it, according to Right, right. She was very obvious, and he knew not to tell her. Maybe it's like an unrighteous version of the nagging woman who doesn't let up, and it's just an example of how, like, you know, God uses the woman who won't stop knocking and asking for things. And finally it's like, fine, you can have what you want and I'll go away mm-hmm. kind of thing. Jacob's wrestling with God is kind of a picture of that. And maybe Delilah's is just like the unrighteous picture of how that works. That like it works hmm. for unrighteous people. So why wouldn't it work for us with God? I don't know. Right. Well, and I think that whole idea of, I mean, she was not an Israelite. So this is also another example of what happens when they go outside of what God has told them to do mm-hmm. because he's told them not to intermarry and become part of that culture. Samson does. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. So what were you going to say about just the last two chapters of judges? So this comes to town mm-hmm. and they do exactly what lot does with his mm-hmm. daughters. And in order to save his guests that they, that he's brought into his house, this is a Levite. The Levite, yeah, the Levite gives his concubine, the one he went to rescue. Yes. So he's already, I mean, she left him. She left the Levite. He goes to her father's house to get her back. Spent The father keeps, it's just a weird thing. The dad like keeps convincing him to stay and stay and stay. Yeah. And finally he leaves. And then there's like, it's almost like this, there are all these, this, these little decisions 
along the way that he makes that, that you look at the story and you think, oh, if he had made a different decision, this would have been avoided. Like yeah. if he had left the first time rather than letting the dad convince him. And then he leaves late at night instead of during the day. And then they want to, he's, his servant wants to stop at one city, but his master says, no, we're going to keep going. Like all of these little things along the way that make them end up in Gibeah. So like the last line of the entire book is in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him. Ultimately, this is what we're getting to in the, in the part of judges where like, there's nobody being raised up. Now we're just watching them deteriorate into people who just do whatever they think is right. And they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not honoring God. So like that, like makes me think of that, like him choosing to stay. Sure. Today seems like, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll stay for another day. And well, and even allowing other, so like, there's like this back and forth between the Levite and the father-in-law. The Levite's like, no, I really need to go. And the father-in-law is like, no, 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 stay. Like just that whole idea that how easily we can be caught up. When we have no direction. Right, right. He was not, he was very easily convinced, even though like you can tell from the story that he doesn't necessarily feel like that's the best decision for him to make or that he has something else he needs to be doing. He's like, okay, okay. Like three times, I think. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's just, just interesting story. that that's part of the, yeah, interesting details in the story. Hi, this is Erin, and I'm glad that you're studying scripture with us here on the recap. I wanted to let you know that while we take a break from dive studies in August, we are studying the parenting study that I wrote in May over on the network. Please come join us for that. You'll get the parenting study for free with an all access pass, or you can purchase the study in the shop at divecollective.org but you can come join us on the network for discussion at www.members.divecollective.org. Our Dive Genesis study will begin again in September with our study on Joseph. If you haven't joined us yet, we've been studying the book of Genesis in depth this year, starting with creation of Noah, then Abraham, and we just finished Jacob in July. You can catch those studies for free via podcast with a free community membership over on the network as well. I highly encourage you to join a live study though, through an all access pass, Those studies are far richer than you can imagine as your brothers and sisters bring their takeaways to the group each week. I can't wait to see you over in the network very soon. Now let's get back to the recap. So then I just have to read it because it's that disturbing. While they were enjoying themselves, all of a sudden wicked men of the city surrounded the house and beat on the door. They said to the old man who was the owner of the house, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. The owner of the house went out and said to them, please don't do this evil. My brothers, after all, this man has come into my house. These are Benjamites. After all, this man has come into my house. Don't commit this horrible outrage here. Let me bring out my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Now abuse them and do whatever you want to them, but don't commit this outrageous thing against this man. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and took her outside to them. They raped her and abused her all night until morning. At daybreak, they let her go. Early that morning, the woman made her way back. And as it was getting light, she collapsed at the doorway of the man's house where her master was. When her master got up in the morning, opened the doors of the house and went out to leave on his journey, there was the woman, his concubine collapsed near the doorway of the house with with her hands on the threshold. I love this. Get up, he told her. Let's go. But there was no response. So the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. When he entered his house, he picked up a knife, took hold of his concubine, cut her into 12 pieces, limb by limb, and then sent her throughout the territory of Israel. 
Everyone who saw it said nothing like this has ever happened or been seen since the day the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt until now. Think it over, discuss it, and speak up. I mean, there's just, are there words? No. It's interesting though that what that prompts, okay? So it seems like when we read that part of the story and we read this master, I mean, he's the one that shoves his concubine out the door in the first place to let her be fed to the wolves. But then he's angry about it. Like the reason he cuts her in pieces and sends her to all the tribes is because he's like, how is this happening in Israel? So then they all get together and they decide to attack this city. Sodom and Gomorrah has its own reputation for being what it was. And it caused fire to come down from heaven. And I don't think that like I ever really have processed the fact that this isn't like Sodom and Gomorrah. This is Israel. Like mm-hmm. this is happening. This is the evil that has come to Israel. And it's so gross. It hurt worse this year for some reason. <laughs> it was really, really painful to look at that in the context of it. Like this is God's people who he rescues. Mm-hmm. Like in the past, he just destroys them, but, but not this people, this people, like apparently this is, this is redeemable. Kind of, I guess you should go with the rest of the story because it's not exactly redeemable. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, (laughs) I mean, it is. So the city that gets destroyed is the city that does this, but I mean, the the city, the whole tribe, right? I think like they destroy, like they pretty much like take out all the Benjamites and they're like, shoot, there's not going to be any more Benjamites. And and, like they grieve. Oh, is that, maybe I just missed that. Oh, yeah. So like the Lord answered them, they fight. There's like a whole chapter of them fighting 18,000 mm-hmm. men who died. from. Is that in 21? Cause I didn't read. 21. No, in 20. So in 20, they have, um, 20 is when like the Israelites go out mm-hmm. and they're actually talking to God. Right. But it's so that even that is weird too, because they go out. It's not until the third time, like the first two times they go out, God says, they're defeated. Yes. okay. Okay. Before this light bulb just went on in my head, I was thinking, so the city or the, this Gibeah, this town of Gibeah, Benjaminites, Benjamites that rape this woman, other, the rest of Israel goes out and fights against them and they're destroyed. Right. So there's like that justice happens, but then there's also the fact that the Levite is the guy who sent his concubine out in the first place. Like that's the part that kind of bothered me, you know, like that, where's the justice there because it's also his fault. Uh-huh. But when they fight, when they go out to fight and God said, they ask God mm-hmm. and the first two times God says, yes, go fight, but they uh-huh. lose. They get uh-huh. beaten mm-hmm. by thousands. Yes. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Cause I thought God was on there, but it's almost like there's justice on both sides of that. I don't know if the Levite, cause died. you're all atrocious. Yeah. Right. You're all a complete disaster and you all deserve to die. Yeah. And then the third time they ask, the third time God says, yes, attack, and I'll give you victory. The third time, and that's when they go out. But well, some and, of them still died that time too. Right. It wasn't like, right, yeah. exactly. It wasn't like Gideon and his 300 men where nobody right. gets hurt. Like yeah. there's death and destruction on both sides of that yes. battle. That's so anyway. good, Annika. That's really good. That's, yes, I did notice that, but I never really thought about it. He's sending it out to Israel and Israel's like, how could this have happened? And God's like, no, you're all gross. Right. It's because it has happened because of you. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're, you're all, none of you, you're all doing whatever you want. None of you are seeking me. Now you're seeking me, but the consequences are already, are already in place. Um, so anyway, they go and they beat the Benjamites. And then I, like I said, I just kind of, I finished the book cause it was right there. And I wanted to know, I wanted to remember what happened because I've forgotten, but they go and they cry out why Lord God of Israel has it occurred that one tribe is missing in Israel today? Like they're just, and where is that? That's 21, that's 21 verse. Okay. And I just think that's so interesting that, uh, so they cry, they're sad because they're missing one of them. And there's like this unity between these 12 tribes. It's like, we're the 12 tribes, but we are the 12 tribes. It would be like, I don't think that we ever like love each other that much. I don't know that anybody's ever loved like a group of people, like their own, the way that mm-hmm. these Israelites seem to really love and them. Com- and competed at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird relationship. Yeah. I mean, like they're at war with each other and then they're grieving them, like mm-hmm. literally grieving them. And then they're trying to figure out how they're going to help them to have a heritage because now all the wives, are, there's no wives. They all promise that they're not going to give any of their children as wives to the Benjamites. They like, they swear that they make that vow. And then they're like, oh, wait, crap. Okay. How are the Benjamites going to survive if there's nobody, <laughs> if there's nobody to procreate with them? Birth children. Right. And then, so then um, uh, one of them goes like, who didn't come to war with us? Who didn't actually come to war? And they found this one city that they didn't send anybody to war with them. So they weren't there to make the vow. So they're like, okay. And they go and kill all of the people, all of the husbands the wives and the dependents that in the city that didn't go to war and they take all the virgins and they're like, okay, you can have them because none of us promise not to give them to you. Like, So you can, so they get all these like young virgins and they give them to the Benjamites to procreate with and make babies with, but they're like, oh wait, there's not enough of them. So they give the Benjamites. I think this is what happens. I got a little confused because I didn't read it super closely, but I, I'm pretty sure that they gave the Benjamites permission to go and wait at Shiloh for the women to come out and, and dance and do their worship of the Lord. And they could kidnap them and take them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we didn't, if you steal them, it's okay because we didn't give you permission to take our wives. But if you go and you find them, the virgins and you, and you, and it's like a hunt, like they literally so were commanded weird. to hunt these women yeah, it's like and make game. them their wives. It's so gross. Like this whole story is so, which is an example of how like convoluted, they're trying, rather than just doing the right thing in the first place, they're like taking this long road, around, like how to get around the ridiculous things that they've said and done. Yes. And that is how it looks, right? When we try to redeem ourselves, yes. when we try to get ourselves out of a mess that we've gotten ourselves in, it just makes a much bigger mess. And, like mm-hmm. we're, and this is just, it's an absolute mess. And I'm sorry, but every time I see these things about like, it literally says each of you leave the vineyards and catch a wife for yourself from the young women of Shiloh. Catch a wife for yourself. Um, when their fathers or brothers come to us and protest, we will tell them, show favor to them since we did not get enough wives for each of them in the battle. You didn't actually give the women to them. So you're not guilty of breaking your oath. What the ever loving, what? <laughs> yeah. But I guess like, that's where it's supposed, like, this is what it's supposed to. Well, be. and then it ends. Like, like you were saying that line, the way that judges ends. Yeah. There was no King and people did whatever they felt like doing. Like they're not, they're no longer asking God for, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. Like if we are left to our own devices, we're, uh, wreck. Yeah. 
gross. We're gross and we're um, evil. Like we are just Mm -hmm. evil when we do whatever we want to do. And we're out to save our own skin to the point that we would give a woman away and then be upset about it to chop her up into pieces. Right. (laughs) That that's the solution that you think that's going to. Yep. And just the hate, the hate on top of hate that they raped her all night. And then they must have hated her so much for what they were that they beat her on top of it and left her lifeless or with enough life to get back to the doorway to die. What? Anyway, so that's judges and that's awesome. And we'll be getting into Ruth, which I think is a great way. Ruth is awesome. I think that's just like to really take in what judges is about and the point of judges, which is to show us who we are apart from when God raises up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. God's intervention. That's when we're going to start with Ruth and we're going to see some characters that are operating. This whole story is going to take place in the midst of this Mm -hmm. grossness, Mm -hmm. which helps give context for that story, which is cool. So we studied, for those of you who are just joining us, we studied Ruth last year. It was one of the first books we studied and it was so good. Oh yeah. It was. Yep. Probably my favorite, which is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Jeremiah? Started in 27. Last week you talked about how God was in sending his people to Babylon. That was like a level of protection for them. Yes. And okay. I feel like there are several times in this week's reading where, again, we see God step in. In Jeremiah 31, this was one of my favorite things to read this week. Actually, I do have more of They found grace out in the desert, these people who survived the killing. So this is like God obliterating Mm -hmm. the people who did not, who don't follow him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Israel out looking for a place to rest, met God out looking for them. He told them, I've never quit loving you and never will expect love, love, and more love. Mm -hmm. So now I'll start over with you and build you up again. Dear Virgin Israel, which is kind of weird, but kind of cool when you think about like, In Psalms, it tells us God forgives our sins as far as the East is from the West. He won't remember them anymore. Mm -hmm. And here he is calling Israel virgin virgin Israel after he's, we've read Israel's compared so much to like a wayward wife, you know, like how he goes after other gods and completely rejects God. Mm. And now God's like, I've redeemed you so completely that after all of this that I've talked to you about, like how you're whoring around. Now you're virgin Israel. Like that's how complete my redemption is. That's so good. That at verse three, the Lord appeared to him from far away, from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Mm. Therefore I have continued to extend faithful love to you. So 29, I was thinking about um, what you were saying, the exile being a form of Mm -hmm. protection for them and 29, I just love, so this is actually our, um, this is like our church's verse. I I, I think this is the one that Pete quotes several times a year, pursue the well-being of the city. I have deported Mm -hmm. you to pray to the Lord on its behalf for when it thrives, you will thrive. Like that idea that um, like he's going to bless them. He's taking them into exile and his desire is to bless them. He says, find wives for your sons mm-hmm. and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I've deported you to. Just that idea that like here where God has put us, like especially as Christians, like we take our kids out of these 
out of the culture. Yes. We don't want them to be a part of the culture. And I, I understand the desire to not have them go wayward, but that's our responsibility as their parents is to point is to live a life that's different, that's separate from the culture, but within, mm-hmm. but within the culture, praying for the culture, loving the culture, being like, when you talked about, so you might've been Melissa talking about like the way that Paul loved the culture so much, like he understood the culture of the Grecians so well that he could say, Oh, this unknown God, like there's this unknown God that you guys worship. Mm-hmm. Let me tell yeah. you about this unknown God. Like you can't reach the culture. You can't, you can't love the culture for their salvation. If you don't, if you don't care about it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you, if you just want to remove yourself from it. Right. So, or if you're not familiar enough with it that yes. you can bring God into it. Yes. Just like Paul did with the unknown God thing. Yes. It's a, it's yeah. like having a passion for God in the midst of culture definitely helps you to relate to like, Oh, I see what they're doing there. And they're doing that because they're missing. Right. This is the piece that's God missing. Is. Yes. Yeah. If they knew this, they wouldn't be doing that. And like, there's mm-hmm. just a, I don't know. So Jeremiah, like the idea of them being in exile for their protection, that God Mm -hmm. is kind of like, look, using Babylon as like an ark of salvation for them Mm -hmm. while he exposed, like he kind of rains his wrath down on Jerusalem. That's just such a cool picture. It's like a whole different like vision of it. And it should give us a new picture too, of our own exiles and our own, like, Mm -hmm. because they were in grief. Like, I can't help but remember that Psalm that they sang where like they were being made to sing their songs of salvation right. being removed from Egypt in this culture. Cause they just wanted to hear them sing their great songs yeah. and like the reminders that they would have to go through of like who God was for them while they're in the midst of this, this foreign place and yet keeping their love for their God. And I don't know, I just, the whole thing kind of blending together in this like beautiful picture of like, we don't know what God's doing. We never know what God's mm-hmm. doing, but we always know it's good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, should we go to Acts? I don't think I wrote a lot down in Acts. I just was the story. I just felt like I got kind of lost in the story of Acts this week. Where did we start? In 18. I underlined a lot. Oh, so this was cool. Verse nine, chapter 18, verse nine, which I don't know why I underlined it. It said, the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. So he stayed Mm -hmm. there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Just how encouraging, how good of God to be like, there's a lot of people here who know me. You don't know. You can't see it. Yeah. But they're there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Like he could have opened his eyes the way that he did for Elijah, but. He's just like, he just told him, I have many people in the city. I think that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if like, we could just like see a map that illuminated? <laughs> I actually like it. Maybe not. You think of left behind where you can see like the stamp of the cross on people's foreheads. Oh, remember? funny. <laughs> Did you Vaguely. I think I've, bl- oh yes. I think I've done all I can to block that out of my brain. <laughs> left behind. Yes. That would be cool. I love the story of Priscilla and Aquila. Um, um, not what's the word? They didn't rebuke. They didn't chastise. They uh, they just took they tutored. They, like they yes. took Apollos, and they were like, "Hey, yes. guess what? There's a whole other part There's of the story." Yeah, yes. And then Apollos was like clearly gifted, and he was like, 
I mean, he just was totally on their team and they just came and like, they tweaked his theology a little bit and we're mm-hmm. like, off you go. Good. Yeah. He does. Yeah. He's like, this huge master, he, he said he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Now, I never realized before, I forgot that Paul was not an eloquent speaker. Like he, right. Paul did not have the ability to speak to people in, it was all the Holy Spirit. If, it, if people mm-hmm. came to know Jesus, it was because he taught and the Holy Spirit opened their eyes because he was like, he goes kind of over and above to describe how not gifted of a speaker. Which is interesting to me because when we read about what he says and when he writes, he's pretty good at it. I know. And you know what I think I'm coming to discover? I think I'm the same way. Like I, when I try to tell somebody something or explain what I'm thinking to somebody like, Oh yeah. I'm way better on paper. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, the way that I write it, Yes. Way more clearly. Well, you're able to organize it a little bit more clearly and think through it before it actually comes out because you can see it there and you can rearrange. It's just less, it's less intimidating, I think, because you have time to fully process before it flies out of your mouth. I'm actually just going to read that passage because I love it so much. It says, um, now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures arrived in Ephesus. So um, Priscilla and Aquila have come with Paul to Ephesus. Mm-hmm. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. Although he knew only John's baptism. I love that. Like that you, the patience that we should have for people who don't get it all the way, but it's like you to be able to see the way that they were like, we can see that what he's teaching right. is accurate. Yet we know where there's missing a piece this missing. One thing. Yeah. yeah. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue after Priscilla and Aquila heard him. And I love that Priscilla is named first here because I kind of see it like Jeff and I, whereas like Jeff and I would go and talk to the person, but like but you would initiate it. I would be the one like, dude, we have got to talk to him. Yeah. You know, like we've got to, we have to fix this, you know, and Jeff yeah. would be like, oh, okay, here we go. You know? <laughs> um, anyway. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue and Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think in this part, the Jews were in that area, like the Jews were super, um, they were just arguing everything and coming against them mm-hmm. big time. And so it was cool that God had sent Apollos, who was this fervent in spirit and accurate and mm-hmm. good speaker to go and like, just he, was like, he knew the scriptures well enough. He could just like yeah. refute everything. Yeah. Cool. I love it. Intentionally planted. Yes. Apollos was intentionally planted right there. Yes. Oh, and then I loved in same chapter verses 14. The guy has, I commend you by the, um, the guy's trying to cast out demons because he sees that the, that the believers can cast out demons or is it the seven sons that are doing it? Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish high priest were doing this. The evil spirit answered them. I know Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who are you? And then they just like full on beat him. Like the demons come out of the person and they beat on him and they send him away naked and um, naked and wounded. It says the part that I was taken aback by was like the, I know Jesus and I recognize Paul and that whole idea Mm. that 
they know Jesus and they recognize us. Like there's not those of us who are in the faith, you know, who are believers who are stamped by the Holy spirit. Like they recognize us. We are, we're known by name, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit, uh, not scary, but awesome. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. And we don't have yep. to be afraid. Like we can't, right. be, nothing can happen to us. They're like, dude, we wouldn't do anything to you if you were like, if, if you, you were, were the real deal. Yeah. If right. you were the real deal. Yes. Yeah. I can't do anything with you, but since you're nobody. Right. Um, I think I'm going to hurt you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's the recap for next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.